Yes, hello, I'm James Rowlands, and today it's dubbing our 380, it's AEW Prelude, you all out. And I am not alone, I have a pleasure to be joined by Jaxie, how you doing? Hey all, hey James, how you doing? Oh, all better for to have you on the show, like I said, we <laughs> watch the WWE stuff together and sometimes maybe it's what well, how can i put this you know it's difficult to watch but with dynamite i don't think there's gonna be a problem no it's very much a look forward to that show although I, I must admit wwe is still the same i still continue to watch it however yes. it's yeah, we... patience a lot more <laughs> <laughs> we put ourselves through it for the people listening of course i love of the product but it's always good with AEW but before we get into Dynamite and Rampage uh, we had some very sad news uh, over the weekend or as it was Thursday and Friday and it was that uh, Shannon Sprill aka Daphne Unger um, has unfortunately passed away age 46 um, obviously known for her time in WCW uh, with as Daphne with Crowbar and David Flair uh, she was in TNA as well um, and it's just very upsetting because of a, of kind of we lose wrestlers all the time but the way we've lost Daphne a bit like a couple other uh, women's wrestlers as well it's it's just not good and of course the uh, question of mental health and everything like that uh, you heard the news and obviously you know with social media there's good there's positives and there's negatives as well of course there's always a positive and a negative with anything um but when it comes to you know mental health it comes to social media and it does come to when it does come to the wrestling community um everyone i think could can say that they were a little bit shaken from this news and mental health is not a joke just know that anyone listening if you do suffer with mental health that there's always someone out there there's some help out there so please always look for it find it um and yeah just stay safe um it's terrible news and my my thoughts go out to that yeah with our, our celebrity associate with the our podcast as well so the best wishes to the family and friends is a horrible uh situation but like you said uh, to be able to talk somewhat to someone uh no matter who it is you know just so that someone is there and one of these things that i always go on about is a kind of duty of care and the fact if it was just one person's responsibility to look after one other person and to make sure they were right a lot of these things you know could be sorted out but unfortunately that's not the way the world works you know we get that all the time you know um it's just all about knowing that there is someone out there that is is always willing to listen so just don't ever feel like you're alone yeah, without a doubt, she will be missed. Uh, but we move on, like we said, AEW. We've got all, which kind of feels like one of the biggest AEW pay-per-views of all time. But we've got Dynamite and Rampage to get there first. So we'll start August 18th. Of course, the show opens with the intro video. And we get John Moxley and Eddie Kingston making their entrance. But 2.0 and Daniel Garcia jump them as they come through the crowd and beat them down. Hills get in the ring and Matt Lee tells the crowd they took out their heroes and now they got nothing. If you want to taste, they'll give it to you right here, right now. Bring down a referee. So we start with 2.0, Jeff Parker and Matt Lee versus Darby Allen and Sting in a Tornado tag team match. Allen attacks Garcia from behind with a skateboard and we get a bell. 2.0 delivered a double suplex to Allen on a skateboard and delivered a double powerbomb to Sting through a table. 
the icon. Shuka offered to deliver stereo scorpion death drops, a double scorpion death lock, and the win for the face painted Avengers. Uh, what do you think of this? I mean, I fucking love this, and I think you've officially um, two points are elite now. They must be pinch of Sting's first match on TV. Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, I've just got to put it out there. John Motley and Eddie Kingston are two of my favourite wrestlers, singles as, as well as pairing up. When they pair up together, it reminds me of my sister and I um, and just, you know, kind of that unhinged sort of thing. <laughs> like If you let us loose, that's probably what we'd be like, you know. Um, and I'm just so happy for 2.0. Um, just it's kind of like a Cinderella story with them, isn't it? Really, um, they weren't getting as appreciated as uh, as I feel like they they should have been um, when they were on the uh, when they were on NXT. However, they've been given a chance to shine, and that's all within the same year. It's got to be it's a great year for 2.0, and just to have an opening match like that, it was just it's something that got the, all the audience lit up, so you could just hear the excitement pouring through the crowd. And that just adds to the effect. Yeah, there's so many things that kind of AEW did right. Just in this match alone, you talk about, you know, a team who was just starting to find a bit of success in NXT kind of be released. And, like, they, like, talk about pinching themselves. They wouldn't have believed they would be facing Sting and Darby Allen on AEW. You've obviously got Darby Allen, a young star. And the way they treat Sting, I mean, Sting hasn't looked this good in god knows how long and it's just the way they use them as well definitely and i think it, it's just something that's you know that that's come natural to them because i mean if, if you really think about it um a lot of people probably look at you know when they thought of sting before aew all they could probably remember is a lot of the content we got on wwe where it just was really overlooked you know he was overlooked and things like that but he's never looked so good in his life now and I think it's it's thanks to um himself it's thanks to uh, the people that he is surrounding himself and uh, with and it's also thanks to the company he's now in that gives him that creative freedom I think we're out now. Well, we see footage of Sammy Guevara posing to his girlfriend Pam in a ring earlier. Cut to Sean Spears and Tully Blanchard clapping and mocking the engagement. But they have a gift for Pam. They're going to make her honorary member of the pinnacle for one night only. He let her be on top. That leads to Sammy <laughs> Guevara versus Sean Spears. Sammy did start strong. He recovered and delivered a C4 for the middle rope, but could only achieve a 2. The Spanish god recovered and feeding off his hometown crowd in Houston, delivered a 6 30. He could only keep his rival down for 2. No, he shouldn't have kicked out of that. After shaking off the frustration, Guevara delivered the GTH for the win and kissed his fiance to celebrate the victory. What do you think of this match? Yeah, I think it did its job. I mean, we all know that uh, there's just been bad blood between Sean Spears and Sammy for a while. So it was kind of like um, one of those ones where I think it was um, a, a good match and, and Sammy's really uh, got got good talent in, and he, you can tell that, you know, the crowd really love him. Um, I think that this whole feud with him and Sean Spears um, doesn't need to be any longer than, than why it has been now. I feel like Sammy should move on. And in all honesty, I feel like, um, you know, Sean should probably go after someone else because he's failing a lot every time it comes to Sammy. So m- maybe um, maybe he should give up on that. <laughs> well, 
I don't know what you think, but I think obviously the crowd helped this exponentially, making it feel like a big match. But both obviously mm. really good. But it's a case of, I think, you know, Sean going down and Guevara moving up, if we look at that on the roster. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of how, how this whole, I want to call it a feud, a small feud has been between them. I mean, if you look back at previous matches, um, Sean has been the one that was, you know, pinned when it was the uh, pinnacle versus inner circle. Sammy was the, the one to pin him. So, you know, we we needed to kind of get some sort of closure between them. But I don't feel like it's done anything for Sean Spears. So he might want to move on to maybe potentially try and find um, a new way up the ladder, so to speak. You know, it's the thing that like, the chairman gimmicks kind of not work. The pinnacle is just non-existent, really, at this moment in time. It's just like a yeah. just MJ. But, I mean, out, out of everyone from the pinnacle, um, I unfortunately feel like Sean Spears was the one who least benefited from being part of that group. And I do think that, you know, he, he should be uh, deserve uh, an opportunity to kind of be showcased a bit more. But I think, you know, with, with the whole Sammy thing, like with that being over, it, maybe it's time to maybe relook at the, the character and change it up a little bit. Yeah, yeah exactly. And it doesn't matter because the amount of talent AEW's got as well. If Sean Spears takes, you know, three months off to come up with a new character, a new direction, it's going to help him out a lot more rather than him kind of jobbing out on Dark or whether it is or, you know, up yeah. random victories every now and again. But backstage, we see Christian Cage is interviewed with the Impact World Championship on his shoulders. Don Callis interrupts and takes credit for breaking him into the business. But he's happy that he's getting an opportunity and all that. He's going to take the one-winged angel, but it's going to be that five-star match he's been waiting for. Nothing's changed. Don is still on top of the business, and Christian still having matches and clawing his way to the top. Cage says Callis thinks he's in his head, but the fact is he's deep in Kenny Omega's head, and he knows that he's going to take the thing he the AEW World Championship, and yeah, things never change. Don thinks he's the smartest guy in the room, but he is, and always has been, a carny piece of shit. This was strong stuff by Christian, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, again, another perfect example of, you know, going uh, going to the right company for, for someone like Christian. Um, this, he's just gotten better and better the more I see him on... Um, AEW and, and especially with him having that win over Kenny Omega it's just everything that he's saying the audience are, are all feeling it you know so he's speaking on behalf of all of us I for one love that how much I hate Don Callis yeah. every time he gets on the mic I just want to tell him to shut up but he's doing his character so well and so I'm really enjoying this whole this everything to do with this <laughs> Yeah, I think all that doubt, like I said, the story is definitely working. You're excellent with Christian. We wondered, was going to AEW the right move? You look what he's doing with Impact now as well, and it is kind of working out. We get a recap yeah. of Dunn's performance last week, cut with promos for him talking about Kenny, taking Omega to the limit. And then American top team founder Dan Lambert making his second appearance in AEW. Yet another scathing promo of wrestling fans, this time with former UFC heavyweight champions Andre Arlovsky and Junior Dos Santos as backup. He called out AEW talent, feeling froggy, why not jump? And Lance Archer entered the arena looking to rekindle his rivalry. Instead, though, Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page attacked the murder hot monster, leaving him laying to the delight of Lambert and Cole. Um, why does AEW hate Lance Archer? 
Do you know what? I absolutely love him, but I feel like he's probably the only wrestler that I could say is kind of being underutilized because he definitely should not be jobbing out to the likes of, you know, um, Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky. Um, And you you know how they've kind of built Miro into this, like, huge monster? Mm -hmm. That is exactly what I feel like they need to be doing with Lance Archer and every time they get some momentum going with his character that he he ends up losing like that sort of pinnacle match to sort of put him over and solidify him as like a murder hulk beast do you know what I mean yeah I mean the the the, his highlight so far for me was the match between him and Miro that those two pushed themselves to the limit and you know I I was happy with either man winning because they're just both Titans, so it's kind of like you know it. I need to see more coming from Lance Archer, and it's even weird because like you know we we can look back now the last you know few weeks of Dynamite and Rampage and think well this story is far you know like they 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 did this yeah, on it's like slow pace right yeah we've we've just not seen it. I don't know if there's a problem with Archer or and even him losing. The IWGP, you know, uh, US title is a bit weird. Cause yeah, it, it, it was just he lost it so quickly after since winning it. Um, so I was I was quite surprised by that. It's a bit weird, but uh, Lambert did knock this one out of the park. I know he's not a uh, he's had experience in Impact before, but you can just tell he's quite good on the mic. And another person quite good on the mic, Chris Jericho, and he uh, cuts a promo. He says he endured the labours of Jericho, but he's paid a price and he lays out some of the violence done to him by saying he survived and he's won. He's got the ultimate prize because tonight, one on one, he's got Maxwell, Jacob, Freeman. He might not have the Judas the music or the effect but what he does is the upper hand and the momentum of five thousand friends of Jericho that are going to sing him to the ring MJF can't stop him he's not as he thinks he is and this is another champion and he's going to kick his bitchy ass and beat him tonight Jericho up my Jericho friend down and again Jericho is is he doing the best kind of not the best promos of his career but it's definitely on that level at this moment in time Oh, for sure, definitely. I mean, as of late, especially, um, I feel like it's gotten much better, you know. Um, and it's not just com- because of a uh, sort of winning capacity that that Jericho's been on when it comes to uh, the matches that he's had recently, but also when you look at um, kind of the, the obstacles that he's been kind of put through, um, you know, and you've just got to end up getting mad respect for for that. So. It, with this whole storyline of, of the five labors of Jericho, I think he's just been really um, creative um, from his side. And we all know how creative Chris Jericho can naturally be. Um, and it's worked really well in this sense. Uh, MJF is one of those characters that really should be built up to be as good as what he can be. Because, you know, as much as he's a despicable character, we all know that he could actually be one of the greats come if, you know, further down the line. Um, and I think all of this work with Jericho is just benefiting both of them really well. This is the thing, and I spoke to Monty about this with, with reason for a feud, and a great feud will build both wrestlers up to a certain level. We know where Jericho is, and MJF, you know, we talk about how good he's a promo, and it's just that kind of maybe in-ring work, or getting victories over legends, and this is kind of work mm. at this moment in time. 
Next match, though, Jurassic Express, Jungle Boy, Jack Perry, and Luchasaurus versus the Young Bucks. Matt and Nick Jacks for the AEW World Tag Team Champion. The champions dominate the action, cutting Jungle Boy off of his partner. The underdog Babyface then creates separation and tagged his partner into the match. Fueled by the furious offense from Luchasaurus and the rejuvenated Jungle Boy, the Babyface threatened their opponent's reign. But Kenny Omega blasted Marco Stunt with a steel chair at ringside, and he'd be taken down by new impact champ Christian Cage. After a near miss reminiscent of the steel chest spot that cost Omega his title on Friday's Rampage, the Bucks delivered a BT trigger for the win. And after the match, leap beat down the babe face culminated with a one-winged angel by Omega onto Cage. Now, this wasn't a bad match. What were your thoughts? I mean, it, it, it was just really enjoyable, in my opinion. Um, you, the crowd were, were going wild. Um, I felt overall, it just it, Christian just looks great in the ring. Without a doubt. And I think this match is, you know, we see what Jurassic Express fans get behind mm-hmm. them. And I always thought that they get when when their music hits. It's, um, you could just tell that everyone really thoroughly enjoys that group. Oh, honestly, there's like there's well, actually, there's probably three or four songs that I'll sing along when the wrestlers come out. <laughs> you know, even while watching it. Yeah. And on AW, yeah. you know, like it's Jericho, but Jurassic Express, and that's on my playlist now. I'll play that at work or in the car. You know, Tarzan Boy is brilliant. <laughs> Um, but I always thought Matt was a standout. But watching it this year really closely, Nick is every bit is equal. Yeah. And I think he might be yeah. a better heel than face. I mean, it's just something about him. It really is. I think um, that the Young Bucks have incredible talent and that doesn't just kind of come from being in the ring. Um, you know, they've, they've got this real classy way of... Uh, showcasing how much of an asshole they really are <laughs> and it, it works so well and i think that nick has really stood out um when it comes to this uh uh turn he's he's like i said they've been brilliant this match was crazy in itself tag wrestling at its best even with the nwo shenanigans jungle boys jumping moose out of the top was exceptional omega of course got his heat back from Rampage. Then we see Dr. Britt Baker, DMD's interview backstage with Rebel and Jamie Hatter side. Um, and basically say that Baker is gold, is definitely not Velvet's colour and never will be. But regardless, going to have fun next week. And back from commercial, we get a video package where Matt Hardy explains he kicked Willie Uta's ass and he beat any of the best friends again. And then Tony Schwanny interviews Paul White in the ring. He said it was amazing to get back in the ring last week and he's still hyped about it. He's excited because he's got a real huge announcement. He's like to share it with us. Enter QT Marshall in a factory. He says they got a problem, a really big ass problem. They just want to come down and stop Paul for just saying he couldn't deliver on because here in AEW, he doesn't say things to build up fan anticipation just to let the fans down. White tells him to come in the ring because he's sure he can count to three. QT says that the reason Tony can't hide him as an announcer, Paul has no idea what he's talking about. Marshall says the producer is privy to all kind of information, and he asks the truck to put the pictures of Paul's hip operation for the last 18 months. It's heroic, a miracle for us going to these great lopes. White asked if he really thought it was a good idea to show pictures of his hip and his big, beautiful arse on national TV. Do you think he's a balanced bit for a man that's supposed to be in the know? You don't know anything, but Paul will clue him in. He had a little talk with Tony Khan last week, and he's got a match it all out. And guess who the opponent is? It's QT Marshall. Well, 
it's a debut match of Big Show then, looks like. <laughs> I mean, I think that I think that I expected this to happen at some point, having someone like the Big Show in the ring. He really um, enjoys sort of the aspect of being able to just join in um, as and where he sees fits. He's always played sort of that role outside of the ring where, you know, if commentating or if in the back, he'll make the save at some point. So I feel like it was ne- inevitable that we weren't going to have him at least wrestle one match on AEW. QT uh, Marshall, however, I don't know if I would have chosen him as sort of like the opponent for Big Show to go against. However, um, we'll see. We'll see how this match can go. Um, hopefully, you know, he 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 doesn't have to go through any more surgery. Yeah, um, like I said, we're not expecting this to go twenty-five minutes, but I, we might be pleasantly. But we'll run through the car for all out in a little bit. We get a Jay Cargill promo where she calls Kira Hogan out for a match on Rampage. And then Tony Schiavone, he interviews a bleat backstage. Callis talks about how the Bucks are the best team ever. They tell him that two months off. But Tony says that Tony Khan is not enough. They're going to have a tag tournament to crown the number one contenders for the steel cage tag title match all out. And then we see Taz is in the ring with his son, Hook. He introduces Hook and then gives absolute Ricky Starks a big go. He gets on the mic. He says he's there for the world. It's going to be like that for a long time. And he and Brian Cage need to keep missing each other. But he wants to talk mano mano tonight. But we cut backstage where Will Hobbs and lays Cage out. Brian gets to his feet and starts biting back. Ricky demands they cut the feed and Team Taz leave together. Is this Team Taz feud really going anywhere at this moment in time. We talked about Brian Cage last month, and it's a bit like Lance Archer, isn't it? A little bit, yeah. I mean, I feel like it, it, on some, in some level, in some aspects, yes, it is working, but I think it's uh, not working against, you know, the likes of Brian Cage. It very much does have that, that feeling of um, it being more about Ricky Starks, um, which is fine because I think Ricky has got, um, some a real great character and personality, um, and I really do enjoy him when he's around. Um, uh, I'm liking this sort of aspect of seeing uh, Will Hobbs uh, look to, you know, maybe try and get a push. Maybe having both Powerhouse Hobbs and Brian Cage probably wasn't working in Taz's favor. Having like, um, you know, sort of this unlikely alliance between two powerhouses. Um, and and them not really decimating as a, as a team, you know, they're not really dominating. Um, they've just been kind of there, so it's been kind of stagnant. So I think it was probably the right thing to do with like splitting like a member of the team up from Team Taz. And I think Brian Cage was the right uh, person to be to end up resulting in splitting up with them. Um, I'm hoping that this means that Team Taz has enough sort of. Um, uh, availability to focus on the likes of maybe Ricky Starks and Will Hobbs in terms of their wrestlers um, and I hope this also means that maybe Brian Cage might get uh, a much anticipated uh, singles run where it could lead to a, a, a title match of some sort. Yeah, it would be interesting to see what happens but they need to kind of sort something out and then we see Tony Schiavone interview Death Triangle uh, Pat calls Andrade out and says if Andrade wants to match it all out then perfecto the same paper where he blit with Kenny Omega on two weeks notice he'll glad that Idilo brought his bollocks but what chance does a man like him stand against a bastard like him and uh, Andrade and 
Andrade said if Pac wants the match, he has to agree to his conditions. There's a whole ream of paper. Chavo wishes Lucha Brothers luck, but says he'll never be champions with a boss like Pac. I can't wait for the match, and unfortunately, get onto the news in a little bit. But then we get Penelope Ford versus Thunder Rosa. And Ford counted a fire, Thunder Drive, and applied a muter lock. But Rosa counted and applied a half Boston Crab Shell and an airplane spin and a Daffy Driver. Ford went to the muter lock, but Rosa counted for the. Uh, what a bad match, but again, it was just before the main event. The placement of it annoyed me. Mm, I, I I agree. I think that this should have kind of happened earlier on in the in the show in order to have given it a bit more momentum, especially because you know um, both these women are uh, good wrestlers, but Thunder Rosa is is a is a top athlete that I would say um, deserves a bit more of of the audience's attention and and hype. Um, so it was a bit irritating to uh, have it so late on in in within the show. Well, Miro gets a promo where he says Fiago del Sol took the easy way out and took something he wasn't entitled to, and he serves an Old Testament God every day and his hot wife every night. If it don't come from him, it will come from them. And the Redeemer wants to talk to Eddie Kingston as we go to a break. Back from commercial, Eddie Kingston makes John Moxley cuts a promo. He says, if you think about how everybody wants a piece of AEW now, they're the hottest promotion in the world. What makes them think it's so easy? Kenny Megan needs a whole army to keep his title. Adam Page calls himself a cowboy, but he can't get over his high school drama. And Christian, he walked through Christian, should have stayed with Tyre's ass. Don't forget, he's held his companies back through empty buildings and uncertain times. Now he want a piece. It's time to send a message and what it means to be on top. And young Mr. Garcia wants a taste of the main event. He'll give it to him in the main event of Rampage. Before we get there, ask yourself if it's what you really, really want. The referee, the ringside doctors are there for you. If they're not any concern, protect your neck and make sure this is where you really, really want to be because this ain't no joke. This was fire from Moxley. Do you think they're using him right, Reed? Definitely. Um, I, I think that, you know, uh, given the fact that fans would, would know that he, he has just become a father himself, I can see why he probably wanted to take, uh, you know, a step back from um, uh, any form of sort of main title run or title picture just so that he can have a bit more time at home. However, again, I, I don't think John can cut a bad promo and this was just fire. This just kind of hyped up everyone up. Yes, like I said, it was great, great stuff. And then the main event, of course, the fifth labour of Jericho, Chris Jericho versus Maxwell Jacob Freeman. And Jericho's all smiles after the crowd sang him in. This was a great moment. And I know they've obviously planned it, but the fans still needed to deliver it, you know, and I just think it worked perfectly. I was really worried that, you know, we'd kind of have that thing where he... expects that you know the crowd or, or is hoping the crowd will sing him down um and you know i was thinking oh gosh it's going to go all quiet all of a sudden and it's just going to have like one or two people who maybe are the only ones who either want to join in or or genuinely know the words but the the, the sheer amount of dedication the fans gave him just goes straight out to prove to you what they think of jericho as a wrestler and it was actually lovely to see. Well, into the match, and MJF worked the injured arm. Jericho fought back, coming out of the break, delivering a double-axe handle for the ropes. He had an alliance salt as well. But MJF recovered and applied salt to the earth arm bar. The veteran counter applied the walls of Jericho. MJF fought out, hung Jericho's arm up on the top rope, and delivered a heat-seeker pendulum pole driver. They all capitalized low blow, trying to apply the walls of Jericho with his own. 
MGF overcame a late shot from Floyd the baseball bat to reapply the salt of the earth submission. Despite a gutsy effort by Jericho to overcome pain, he had no choice but to tap out. Jericho tapped all that for this. Was this the right decision? Um, in a way, yes, because of you know, we I think as as an, an AEW fan and maybe um a lot of the listeners here would, would agree. We can tell that this has been some sort of build up for MJF to really define his character, to, to define the the standard of heel he's going to be throughout this company. And you have to have the likes of someone as uh, high in in status and in um in the, uh, within the wrestling ring, um like as Jericho to really put someone over. So yeah. <laughs> Well, it's, my only thing was like he worked so hard, went through plates of glass just to come up short, yeah. and obviously they've announced another pay per view match. And I'm thinking, why not just have that fifth labor jerker at the pay per view if MJF is going to go over? You know, that's the only. I, I, I feel like it's it's predominantly because, um, uh, you know, maybe this is sort of going to be the slowdown, the the run, the slow run of. Jericho kind of not wrestling anymore um and and this could be you know sort of his way of sort of edging himself out um but I've been I've been thoroughly enjoying uh this whole thing and I thought it was creative of them to to have them have Jericho tap out especially because you know with a lot of AEW or even no I'd actually say more AEW than WWE but they they've they're really good at leaving us surprised. So as much as all of us were expecting Jericho to come out of this on top, um, it, it's nice to see that, uh, you know, they're still leaving us shocked because none of us saw that coming. Yeah, but again, like I said, with, a, with him tapping out, just shows that, look at the, what we went through and now he just tapped. I don't mind passing out or knocked out, but it's just like Jericho gave up. But like I said, bigger picture and talk about bigger picture we move on august 20th rampage and the crowd is loud from the jump cm punk chants rain down the announcers escalaba mark henry taz and jim ross in for chris jericho run down the crowd and the major announcement is first and cult of personality hits and Latron says cm punk he's here and he has tears in his eye with a tear in my eye and he kneels down on a ramp he sends a lot of time with the fans on his way to the ring then grabs the mic at scalibur tells him we'll hear from him after the break he announces he's back and tells us he won't get to do everything tonight but he's got time because we're around days and four weekends a month he apologized if he offended anyone in the last seven years but he couldn't get better in that place that got him sick after a story about ring of honor meant to him he compares that environment to AEW. when he left ring of honor he left pro wrestling tonight he's back and he's talking about young talent he wants to work with he also mentioned a couple of old schools in his cell. Elisa Darby, Allen Callout. Allen's in the rafters with Sting when he learns he has an all-out match. CM Punk. If this is not your favourite thing in wrestling this year, you're not a proper wrestling fan. But I digress. What were your thoughts? No, completely agree with you on that one. Um, You know, I, I was that fan that just kind of sat there in silence with tears in my eyes watching and wishing that I was you know, part of the crowd that he dived onto. So, yeah, this was just 
the highlight of the year already and hands down my favorite moment within the within wrestling for this year it will forever be cm punk's return and i just loved seeing his raw emotion everything to do with it was great yeah and the thing is as a cm punk fan and probably you and a lot of other people you know it's great to have him back but i think what's kind of look at him and see that kind of motivated CM Punk, see CM Punk that actually wants to, you know, put on great matches. Because the Punk we saw, especially, you know, uh, the last three years in WWE, had a lot of problems, either injury, mental, you know, uh, and all this kind of stuff. And you just think, what can CM Punk, a motivated CM Punk in AW at this point in time, it is lighting the touch paper. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, it, it's one of those things where seeing the, the sort of spark back in his eyes is just making us um, even more excited at, as to the future that he can have in the, within this type of company. Um, and as we've you know continuously said on previous occasions, AEW is, is becoming very renowned for its creative freedom and to allow someone like the, the likes of CM Punk to join who knows where this creativity can go? It, like I said, a credible moment, and just for all round, you know, it's just really, really good yeah. for the wrestling business at this point. Uh, but we did have wrestling to get on, and if there's only one negative from CM Punk starting the show, is the the people that had to follow it. Uh, so, like I said. The Jurassic Express defeated Private Party via pinfall, hitting their double-team powerbomb with Zaya Cassidy to advance to the finals of the Tag Team Eliminated Tournament. They'll face the winners of Varsity Blondes, which Rose on Dynamite. Um, I mean, I had to re-watch this after the excitement war for CM Punk. I have to come back because, like I said, 20 minutes after Punk's promo, you're just still recovering. You know, it's like cigarette yeah. in your mouth. You know, it's just like... Agree, yeah. I kind of agree. It's... I mean, but then again, I, I think that there was no way that anything probably was going to be able to kind of top that sort of hype. So it was inevitable as to whoever was going to be in that position. Well, here's the thing. But the match itself was really good. The Canadian Destroyer off the top was immense. The shoot started outside was mental. And the finish was killer as well. And then in a right, Kenny Omega promos for backstage with Don Callis. The whole first dance thing was supposed to be for him, but Christian Cage ruined it. So all out, he's sending Cage back into retirement. And then we get a pre-hype video. Kira Hogan can talk about how Jay Cargill was overlooking her. And Cargill can say, and Jay Cargill was right. She defeated Kira Hogan via pinfall with Jaded in about a minute. Uh, Hogan was a major player in Impact. Cannon fodder tonight, but do you think she made the right move because she wants obviously uh, seen by a bigger audience, and she'll probably get a chance as well yeah. at some point. And what's your thoughts on uh, Jade Cargill? Because we've seen a lot now. We have seen a lot um, with Jade, and so my thoughts first and foremost on on Kira Hogan was it, it was and is pure excitement. Um, I really liked her um in it or like her. In, sorry to say, um, in Impact. Uh, I think that uh, she's got a lot of personality that could probably be moulded quite well to suit the sort of AEW women's roster that we do have. Um, So I'm quite intrigued and excited to see, you know, what she could potentially bring. Because, I mean, we've seen her, as you just said, uh, sort of call out Jade, but 
we did see her get featured a little bit later on down the line as well. So who knows? Maybe we, we might get a chance to see her again in, in the AEW ring. Well, we see Mark Henry has a remote interview with the main event as 2.0 to hype up for their guy, Daniel Garcia. Then John Moxley answers a lot of them. He says Garcia has a better chance of getting him pregnant tonight than he does of beating him. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, I mean, what a line. I know. I mean, I definitely was just crying with laughter when he delivered that. So main event, John Moxley versus Daniel Garcia. And Moxley, Garcia and had the last eight minutes of the show to work with, so we're going to have to be creative if they want to be a main event worthy. Moxley reversed that into a choke hold uh, after being worked on for a win. And 2.0 Garcia started a beatdown on Mox after the bell. But Eddie Kingston, Darby Allen, and Sting all run. Jeff Parker takes his thing of splash and a scorpion death drop. Matt Lee gets splashed by Allen and they both get coffin drop to close the show. So Punk may have started the show, but his pay for your opponent was the last man standing. What were your thoughts? It was just pure hype. Um, enjoyed it thoroughly. And yeah, it's just one of those things where Darby Allen's just, you know, he was over already. But now that CM Punk has called him out, it was even more exciting to have him close the show. Right, uh, CM Punk's AEW debut on Rampage did the best television numbers of Ocean's three-year history. It's thought in Rampage drew 1.129 million viewers for the Friday night telecast. Wow. Uh, broadcast did a 0.53 rate in the 18-49 demo, the second highest in the history of AEW's TV programs, behind only their premiere in October of 2019. Uh, I Yes, he is a needle mover then. It looks like his opening quarterly hour got 1.3 million viewers as well. Um, it just shows you. I mean, he is a needle mover. <laughs> well, I mean, that's a good name for him. Maybe he should consider thinking of that as a nickname. Well, cause he's, he, he says I'm no longer the voice voiceless because... Obviously, in AEW, you know, they've got a voice now, so he's retired that. But like you said, the needle mover, it might might work. You know, you've got the demo god, haven't you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, so we move on to Dynamite. It's episode Dynamite, 20th August. The show opens with the intro video, and it's Matt Hardy versus Orange Cassidy. Matt took control once we got some of the OC shenanigans, and Cassidy delivered a senton bomb a la Hardy's brothers Jeff and set up for a twist of fate, but the hill blocked. He had a middle rope elbow drop to the back for another two. And Cassidy counted the attempted leech by Hardy and stacks him up with a roll up with the hands in their pockets for the win. Uh, we should mention that a cross body by Orange Cassidy kind of exploded Matt Hardy's face. Uh, what were your thoughts? Yeah on the match, and Matt Hardy just can't catch a break at this moment. Honestly, it, it just was quite uncomfortable to watch. Um, I couldn't really pay attention to the match after that crossbody because the, the amount of blood that was just quickly covering Matt Hardy's face. Like his nose has not had the best of luck within a wrestling capacity, honestly. It's can't catch a break and I don't know if the timing was off or anything like that but obviously you know to be hit in the face I think that it far. was just the position yeah I think it was just the, the position I think you know um, Orange Cassidy just jumped a bit way too high so his landing um, uh, just moved straight towards his fit, landing on his face rather than his body 
Yeah, but again, not a bad opener. Then we get Malachi Black, cut the promo about how his match against Brock Anderson is going to go. Suggestion is going to end with Brock apologising and going to back to think about his idiocy with what he tried. And if that doesn't go like that, he'll take out his dad and on Cody and he'll take out on Dustin and anyone even remotely associated with a nightmare family. And back for the commercial, Chris Jericho makes his entrance. The frustrated vet- veteran vowed to attack MJF anytime, anywhere. He settled the differences. He proposed one more match for All Out and promised he would go to the commentary table full-time and never wrestle in AEW again if he lost. Dear Jericho, uh, ending Jericho was too tempting for MJF. He arrived on the scene, cut a braggadocious promo and accepted the uh, challenge. And MJF was wearing an MJF-free Jerry Blow no, uh, Zero shirt. Again, though... We've got, I think, different views about this because I wasn't as excited for another match between these two guys. I mean, you know, at this point, when Jericho, you know, suggested putting his career on the line, it was one of those ones where I just thought to myself, this might not be have been the best idea to go with this sort of um, uh, stipulation. So I, I just don't know where they're going with this because, I mean, if 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 you're trying to truly ask me whether or not I think that, like, Jericho's career is over as of now I would say no definitely not so it's at this point then that I am like what was the point on having Jericho lose if we're if we're not if he's not going to end up you know losing this match and retiring and he does win it then what was the point on on having him tap out as he did so this this at this point this started to kind of make me question things and change my mind about the way that things are being uh, dealt with within this feud. Yeah, the thing is, I mean, the the, the more and more they give, the less it becomes special. Uh, while, mm. you know, you go, oh, let's just kind of move on from this as well. Uh, but we get a backstage uh, promo uh, for the Varsity Blondes. Uh, they cut one on Lucha Brothers, telling them that their bond might not be blood, but their bond is a lot thicker. And they're going to go and challenge the Young Bucks. And the Young Bucks, the Good Brothers, and Brandon Cutler set chairs up on the stage to watch the next match, which is Lucha Brothers versus the Varsity Blondes, and then we'll contend the semi-finals. And Brian Pillman and Griff Gavson make a several babyface comeback late. Pillman scored a quality near fall, but his frustration told the story of a wrestler running out of options. Moments later, the masked anti-heroes of the tag division put a halt to the onslaught and scored the win to advance to a showdown with the Jurassic Express. The Young Bucks and the Good Brothers attempted a sneak attack, but the Bay Prays to clean them to close out the segment. This was two great teams. I think it's a good match, but the finish was quite quick. Yeah, I mean, I I think that, you know, hands down, Lucha Brothers are, are one of the best tag teams in the world. Um, and uh, the Varsity Blondes have actually grown on me. They're getting better and better in the ring. Um, and I felt like it was a quite, quite a decent main event type match. However, yeah, the ending was a little bit, it lacked a little bit. Yeah, it's just kind of, uh, the thing is, uh, you start getting into it, and then before you know it, you go, oh, wait a minute, it's over. And then that's kind of a little bit, of, you know, you go, oh, I want a little bit more. Been given, yeah, I feel like it could have been given a bit longer. Um, uh, however, it, it did what it kind of needed to do as well. It's not too bad, but we get Andrade Odillo and Chavo Guerrero get a video package for Andrade's match against Pac. And then Jamie Hayter versus Red Velvet. And Velvet fought way back into the match, but another mentally distraction. And a botched moonsault gave way to a lariat clothesline and a win for Hayter. 
Post-match, Chris Statlander runs to the ring and clears Hate and Rebel out before staring Baker down. A front chance, Reed and Britt runs away and leaves her top behind in the ring. Chris picks it up and holds it high. This was more about after the match than what happened in it, which I don't think was very good. Yeah, I feel like it's a bit unfortunate. I feel I can I can see how much Red Velvet is is improving, um, and she's you know been doing well for herself. However, I I also feel like she was never going to really get over because of how how big Britt Baker is right now. Um, that. Then the botched moonsault just didn't really help, um, you know. As as long as it wasn't bad enough that she, you know, broke her nose or anything like that, you know, kind of like a la Matt Hardy. But at the same time, it was just one of those things where it, it's those small little mishaps that lead to everyone truly believing. Well, she's not going to defeat the likes of you know Britt Baker and stuff. Having Chris Statlander come down at the end is what it was all about, and. I really enjoy Chris Statlander, so I'm really intrigued to see kind of how she she gets on within taking on Britt Baker and her oh-so-growing brood. Well, this is the thing. Uh, there's a lot of great things AEW doing, but there's a still a lot of work to do with the women's. Even secondary, where you're like, you don't, don't have the main event angle, but hopefully this works, you know, through time. Um, a dark order are backstage next, and even though the cuts a promo, he says they're a unit, and some of them work there to help him with Stu Grayson, but that's okay because they're a unit. Alex Reynolds takes issue, saying they weren't there for Adam Page, and Una tells him made the decision for the best. Reynolds is even more upset and says he's done with a dark order. Eva tells him maybe he should step out of John Silver's shadow for once. Ooh. Uh, Alex storms off, Silver goes after him, and a dark order is boss. As we go to a break, please don't split the dark order. What are your thoughts on this, though? Um, yeah, I, 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 I don't. I, I want to say that I don't believe that they're going to split the dark order. What I do think is that they're, what they're doing is they're slowly crumbling, without the, the, without having that authoritative, real number one leader. As, as Alex pointed out, Evil Uno isn't the leader. Uh, he's only number one. So um, I'm I'm really kind of looking at this from a positive point of view and feeling like this is all just sort of leading towards maybe utter chaos happening within the Dark Order until we get a cer- certain maybe reveal of a new leader come in and that be in the, in the shape of Bray Wyatt along with his maybe uh, negative 2.0 uh, Braun Strowman. I'm hoping for all of this to sort of be like the build up. So, so that's what I'm taking from it more than than you know them actually legit splitting up. Yeah, I think it's building towards something. It'd be interesting what happens, um, and then we get Tony Schiavone's in the ring to introduce and then if CM Punk. And Punk says he's a fan. F- uh, no, Tony Schiavone says he's a fan first. And Friday night was one of the great moments he ever been a part of. And we're going to do it again. Of course, CM Punk makes and asks to name one thing that brought him back. He tells Tony he can't hear him over the roar of the crowd. He answers El Zero M, Ray Phoenix, Brian Pillman Jr., Jungle Boy. But for all those names, there's one guy. He's going to go ahead with Tyler nicknamed the voice of the voiceless because this place has a voice and there's people in the back that listen. You know why he's here. He watches Darby Allen. He's reckless to a point of destruction. And he sits back and looks at all the young talent and asks, can CM Punk still go? 
Does CM Punk still have what it takes? Can CM Punk still be the best in the world? And if the answer is yes, it starts with Alan, someone who would have been his favourite wrestler when he was 15. He sees himself, someone that doesn't fit the mould of a professional wrestler. He's not the biggest or the strongest, but God damn it, he's got heart. And if he's going to answer those questions himself, and the crowd charts up with a yes chance, and Punk points out that someone else's shtick we might just have to wait be a bit patient for that one. But right now, to answer those questions, it comes down to all out. September 5th, he says hi to his beautiful wife sitting at home and tells her he loves her. Um, before I get your thoughts on CM Punk, it's not just the Rampage rating. It's not just the kind of excitement level. You look in that crowd and all the CM Punk T-shirts that he has sold from the Friday to the yeah. Wednesday. It was incredible. What they were your were thoughts? Sold out. I, couldn't, I couldn't even get a T-shirt. I actually tried myself to get one. And they sold out. So, you, you know, he, it, if anyone was arguing the case of CM Punk, I mean, AEW can argue their, their sales revenue right now. You know, they're, yeah. they're definitely raking it in and, and actually making that, that money. So, um you know, whatever they did to secure CM Punk, he's doing his job. He's getting those pieces. But it's just, again, it just leads to more excitement. I've just, uh, Every every time that he's kind of like there, as you said, you when you look out in the crowd and you can see all those CM Punk t-shirts, it goes to show you what, what, what wrestling does to us fans. It brings us all together, brings us all in union. And it was just so lovely to see that, that sea of crowd with those t-shirts. And it's he's it, come back... And he hasn't missed a beat, you know. Like I said, the crowd yeah. in the palm of his I hand. Really en- I really enjoyed him um, sort of pointing out that someone else's uh, thing, and you'll get that soon, but just yeah. be patient. <laughs> you know, that, that, that little note there, I was like, we are totally getting Daniel Bryan soon, and I cannot wait to see what he's even going to be like. And this is the thing, and the first words he says after being away seven years is mentioning Britt Baker. So... You know, a lot of people talk about, oh, we're going to put the younger generation and then don't. But I think with Punk trying to show that... He's actually yeah, doing it. Yeah. Before he gets yeah, actually definitely. in the ring with Derby. And Derby's become a, a much... I mean, you could say Derby's like maybe the second big star in the entire company now just because he's associated yeah. with um, CM Punk. It's yeah. fantastic stuff. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And we get Miro cut the... If he gives Fielgood a soul and promises to find Eddie Kingston, drag him to the river and hold him under. God will back him because he's a redeemer. And his wife will love him because he's a champion. Bring him the mad kid. And then Darby Allen, Eddie Kingston, John Moxley versus the wingmen, which says have been only J.D. Drake and Ryan Nemeth. Kingston sparked the comeback for the fan favourites. Allen tagged in and delivered an avalanche code red to Drake for a near fall, while Sting confronted Avalon at ringside. As the action broke down, Allen delivered a stunner to Drake and Allen a coffin drop for the win. And Daniel Garcia attacked Allen after the match, leaving him reeling to end the segment. Um, no threat should be treated as such. You know, Lee's job has, I think, got a lot more than maybe we were expecting. Uh, Darby getting beat down, but it probably was, you know, building up for the first GTS for the young man. Um, what what do you think of this? I mean, um, it, it's unfortunate because I do look at, at the wingman, wingmen and see them more as a, a group of jobbers, but every company every promotion kind of end up having to have that 
Um, otherwise, you'd never put over uh, superstars, you know. Um, but I, I thought there was just like an a, a, an a certain amount of unhinged chaos that happened throughout that that I just quite thoroughly enjoyed. It wasn't too bad, but again, it's like, is there anybody else they could have put in that position apart from the kind of these jobbers? But then again, I suppose. You know, like I said, at this moment, it's about maybe protecting others as well. We see Ty Conte. I also and... think that it was more a case of them just having like a little bit of fun with, uh, you know, sort of uh, Eddie Kingston and John Moxley and uh, John Moxley and things. So I don't think it was supposed to be one of those one uh, type of matches that was to be taken too seriously in terms of a real wrestling uh, type fights, and it was just more about hyping up the crowd. Yeah, well, we see, like I said, Ty Con in the feed backstage. Before she answers any questions, the bunny rolls up to ask why she's still hanging out with those losers in the Dark Order. Get along with each other. She offers an HFO contract, claiming they would work together like a real family. Tay tears the contract up. Bunny slaps her, and a brawl breaks out to the separate map. Do you know what? I love this. Just because of the slap, you could hear it, and then Ty's like, bring it fucking on. And that altercation... It's just that's what I want. I yeah, it was. Is it, this is the way to start building up different views between different women, you know? And so I, lo- I like the aspect of the bunny being like, you know, why are you still hanging around with them? Why don't you come and hang around with us instead? And and Ty is a very lovable uh, uh, female wrestler that is just kind of winning the crowd over the more and more she's featured. So seeing these two just start slapping it up was kind of great. Well, we get an FTR video package mainly focused on Cash Wheeler's injured arm. Now it's not going to stop him from getting their pound of flesh. The the slow motion replay of seeing the skin caught on that ring mm. part. Skin. Yeah. It's like uh, yeah. Stretch Armstrong or something. <laughs> I can't. Uh, Honestly, you are actually making me cringe a little bit again by reminding me of it. It's so horrible. Well, we get Kenny Omega's in the ring with Don Callis in a very lap. And Callis gets on a mighty pledge. They're going to take Christian Cage out once and for all and enter Christian Cage. We get a verbal back and forth. Gave away the cage. That was worse. Callis taking advantage of a 10-year-old Cage or a 37-year-old Omega. Let it happen now. Callis count by saying Cage will be in a filler position at all out. Second best. A beat down of Christian Edward Frankie Seren hitting the ring and making this save. Unfortunately, though, since CM Punk came back and the Darby Allen thing, this, you know, Christian versus Omega is going to be great. But for me, it's just like not kind the main event. Overshadowed by, yeah, it's kind of been overshadowed. And and that, but me saying that doesn't mean that I'm not still just as excited excited to kind of see this match and see where things go from from here between both wrestlers. You know, um, that that they both deliver some excellent content um for AEW. And even though that it, it probably didn't have as much of a hype as it all of the CM Punk and Darby Allen stuff. Um, I'm re- I really am a huge fan of Frankie Kazarian. I don't think that he's appreciated as much um, by, by fans as of yet. Um, but I really enjoy the fact that he's not letting go of this ongoing hatred for um, you know the elite uh, for for simply splitting up him and his friend Chris- Christopher Daniels. I, I felt like you know as a team as SCU. Um, and they were the first ever tag team champions as well for AEW. Um, it's nice to see that Frankie Kazarian has not been forgotten about. Um, and I really would like to see sort of more more come from 
him and his character. Um, but I do enjoy the fact that he's really just not given up with his hatred towards them, and he he's just kind of randomly turns up as and when. <laughs> yeah, but it's just a shame they cut his legs out from under him a few weeks back with losing to I think Anderson, yeah. and it's just yeah. given more. You know, it would become the, yeah, the I mean, pop. I thought he could have won that. Yeah. And the I proper did, reaction of him coming out, making a save, it, when he's actually a threat, you know, as opposed yeah, to just like, exactly. you know. Yeah. But, any, but anyway, we see uh, John Moxley's backstage cut a promo. He said he got a FedEx from Tokyo today, one contract, and only one guy with the balls to chase the boogeyman of New Japan Pro Wrestling, Kojima Satsui. A real treat for the fans here. Legend of New Japan and All Japan. This crazy old man wants to step in the ring with him. Looks like a death wish. You want to go out in a bit of a blaze of glory? I thought this is a bit of a letdown because I'm not the biggest New Japan fan, but I thought after Tanahashi beat Archer for the title, it would lead to a pay-per-view match. Now, it might not be all out. It might be full gear. But, I mean, have you ever heard of um, Kojima? He was an impact earlier. For me, this yeah. feels a bit much. Um, I I have heard of him before, and I've seen him wrestle. I think he's a good wrestler. Um, uh, I I felt like this did come sort of out of nowhere. However, I'm also kind of I've only seen him like once or twice in the ring, so it, I'm intrigued to see you know him come to um all out and and see what he can do. Um, although I do feel like this is like you said filler um sort of. Thing when it comes to John Moxley, I think that you know there, there's no direction for him right well, now. The the thing is, and again, it's I think more of a British fan uh, of this. It's like AEW's great, but I know the show's going to be four hours long, and for us in the UK to stay up, especially on a Sunday night for that, it's probably not going to be possible. But when you've got the buy-in as well, so that's going to be five hours of stuff you're going to have to kind of watch. It does feel too much sometimes. And I know people have said that about WWE events for a very long time. And I know AEW only do four or five, five people. But mm. for me... But you don't want to kind of give it too much uh, too much time to breathe to the point where you end up exhausting the audience. Um, yeah. So I definitely agree that there's some things, you know, that could probably be just more featured on Rampage. Yeah. Than than um, than all out. However, we'll see how things go. Um, uh, as far as you know, I haven't. As far as I can say at the moment, I don't think that I've, you know, um, felt like a, a, an AEW pay per view event has gone too long. I think it's been like sort of perfect timing. So I want to kind of give it a little bit of hope that it's not going to be as long as what you say. But we, we never know because these matches continue to build up. Yeah, no, I've struggled with a couple of live AEW pay-per-views where I've gone, do you know what, I'm going to have to catch this the following day. Uh, but up next, Gun Club, Austin, Billy and Colton Gunn versus The Factory, Aaron Solo, Nick Comorati, Marshall. The Gun Club overcome an onslaught by their opponents, capitalised on the momentary distraction by White and that commentary for a pinfall victory on Marshall. Um, I mean, Damn, do they look like their dad. I mean, Colton looks great, and the guns haven't lost yet. And with the rankings, the gun club are probably hard done by not to be in a tag tournament. But I was getting all this, and then I was thinking, QT is just really bland. I don't know what you... <laughs> oh, it's so unfortunate, but I have to agree. I really do. Um, 
I think right even from the very beginning when he was like sort of like partnered with Cody and then he was going through stuff with the bunny who was at that time Ali and just I there's something about QT that's just not resonating with me um I don't know if it's the character I don't know if this if it's the type of feuds that he gets himself in but every feud he gets himself in I'm not overly excited or impressed to be watching because I already know his opponent's going to win <laughs> you know yeah, <laughs> well, we get Dan Lambert cutting the promo with the men of the year at his side. He says something occurred to him, what the rule is, number one, of business. Know your customers are giving what they want. And his mistake was blaming AEW for giving us what they want to show us. Some donkey gymnast proposes to his girlfriend. He's finding real role models stand up and awoke masses like former MMA fighter Scorpio Sky and double black belt Ethan Page. Uh, thoughts on this? Eh, <laughs> just... <laughs> yeah again the, this was a bit of a fail for me as well I there was no excitement that came came from me from this um yeah <laughs> well we see Arn Anderson is interviewed in front of uh, in front of his son's dressing room how did Brock Anderson dressing room I mean how many dressing rooms are there in AEW for him to get one when like big shows changing in the group one like it's unfair <laughs> I mean no offense, but he's Aaron's son, you know. Yeah, but and Aaron, Aaron is the enforcer to the CEO of AEW. Aaron's exactly. son is getting his own room. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. It's not the Andersons. It's just Brock. Like Aaron's got his own. Yep. They've all got yep. hundred. Anyway, the VIP. <laughs> he got the VIP ticket. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um. He he won the rock paper scissors earlier. Um, anyway, we see Brock. He says Brock is hard-headed, but he's got guts, and he will lie down and die for his son. Good doesn't always pray over evil, and he's going to have to dig down into his guts to make it happen. And then Malachi Black makes his entrance. Again, I'm starting to dig this a little bit. Obviously, I'll still miss his Alistair Black entrance, and the engine theme's not as good, but still. Uh, and then Brock Anderson and Black with stood an early onslaught and blasted Brock with a black mass for the pinfall victory. After the match, Alan stood between the Dutchman and his son, threatening a steel chair assault. Black responded with a black mass, only to block it. A low blow gave way to a black mass that did land before Lee Johnson made a save and stared down Black to close out the show. Does Black need some legitimate challenges? Because the, the factory, uh, not the factory, sorry, the Nightmare Collective is not matching up at this moment. No, I mean, right now, from from my perspective, um, Malachi Black is just is just ticking them all off one by one. Um, I, I think he does need a, a, an actual legitimate um, challenger, and I think the, I think it was quite a lackluster ending um, to kind of with, with the way that Lee Johnson went about, um, you know, coming out. There was no rush mm. in of him getting to the ring. Um, you know, he just walked down. Um, you know, Alistair Black slowly got out of the ring. So I felt a little bit disappointed by this ending just because if it was, uh, uh, you know, it could have been, and and I, this is no offense to Lee Johnson. This is more about the fact that he is literally, he picked off the king of the Nightmare Factory and now he's just picking off its pawns. And it's like, if, if, if someone along the likes of uh, uh, Christian Cage even had his music hit, 
and he ran down to the ring, there would have been it would have gone off yeah. with a lot more of a hype, a bigger hype, a bigger pop. So I I feel like they just need to find some some form of babyface that is looking to rise to the challenge that is already. Do you know what I would even say, Dante Martin? If Dante Martin ran to that ring, he's gotten so much traction lately and he's so good. Even though I can't see the likes of him defeating Alistair Black, that is a beautiful story that could be told right there and then of of him building up, trying to defeat him or something like that. And he's also not associated with the fact that the Nightmare Factory, so it feels like someone different, someone new, you know, is or even Jungle Boy. I think someone that was going to, it needed to be someone that had a, a bit more traction with the audience so that once that music hits, there's that re-hype, that re-pop that you could end the show on. Um, I just unfortunately feel like they missed the mark slightly uh, with that, with the way that Lee Johnson came out, as well as it unfortunately being Lee Johnson. Well, I think after seeing Punk's promo, the show felt a bit like AEW Dark, with the kind of, you know, you're mm. going, there's not really much going on. But the rating for Dynamite averaged 1.172 million viewers on TNT, up 20.2% from the previous week. The third highest viewership total in the history of the show. Of course, the episode features CM Punk's first appearance. And the 18-49 demo <coughs> was the show's highest. Its premiere in October 2019. So the needle mover strikes again. And then Rampage, 27th of August. And Chris Jericho is back on competition for the show along with Taz, Mark Henry, Excalibur and we get a tag team title eliminate a tournament final Lucha Brothers versus Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus and of course the Young Bucks and the Stooge Brandon Cutler were watching for the entrance they kept the pace quick and had a long sequence that ended with another handshake as a sign of respect between the competitors they both sided to tag their partners after coming to a stalemate Pentafer and Luchasaurus traded strikes while Phoenix and Jungle Boy tried to get involved they continued in trade control back and forth after the commercial break with a crowd chant for both teams Luchasaurus put a valiant effort but a double team offense of Penta and Phoenix was too much for him and after Luch Bro scored the win, the Young Bucks attacked them to send the message. Uh, all four were on top form here. This was tag wrestling at its best. Honestly, I, I I cannot stress how much I enjoyed that match. That opening match just really just kind of already left everyone on the hype. All four men are so talented and it was just a, a really great match. One that I watched twice because I thought it was that good. Um, the show of respect throughout both teams as well was just always lovely to see. And, you know, it's not done often because of, it's usually a heel versus a face. So in uh, in these type of tournaments, when you do end up having two sort of face teams face off against one another, it makes it feel a little bit more impactful when you can see signs of respect coming from either side. And that reflected in the, in the ending of the match where, you know, the Jungle Express came to the aid of the Lucha Brothers after... You know, the young bucks being the young bucks um, decided to attack them. So this just left me feeling all, you know, fuzzy inside with excitement, you know, excitement to see um, hopefully like the Lucha Brothers uh, come on top and look to get some revenge at some point. Yeah, I mean, the end sequence was breathless and Destroy on the Apron was mind-boggling. Like, I'd, I'd go back and watch that a few times. <laughs> I was like, he stepped off him and then hit Destroyer on the apron. Like, it's just incredible. Honestly. It's just, yeah, it is continuously, um, it's a continuous excitement each week watching the Lucha. It's crazy. And then CM Punk and Darby Allen, we get a great video airing of CM Punk 
the wrestling AEW and Punk calling out Darby Allen, and like I said, another great preview. And then Nimiro promo, he threw Fuego del Sol out the entryway and kicked him down the ring. In the ring, Miro pulled off the Sol's mask and kicked him in the face. This brought out Eddie Kingston with a mic. Kingston dropped the mic and decided to go after Miro. Kingston got the advantage of Miro hitting him with an exploded C-plex before the refs came in to break it up. And I think we can pencil in Miro Kingston TNT title match for All Out. I'm so excited by this. As I've told you before, and you guys have already heard, I love Eddie Kingston. I really do. And so, you know, the the promo last week with having Miro call out the Mad King just excited me as it was. Seeing Eddie come out and just not even say anything, and you know how much Eddie loves talking on that mic. It it, it just it threw me for one. Like I was just like, give me all out right now. Give me that. There's so many matches that I am anticipating and looking forward to, and this is one of them that is up up there in my top you know ones and highly anticipated right now well we get a bunny with the blade versus ty conte next and penelope fall came down to watch the action her presence distracted conte long enough for the bunny to grab the brass knuckles for the blade one right hand got her the win I like both, but like I said, we want more from AEW. And then Mark Henry moderates an interview between Kenny Maker and Don Callis and Christian Cage and Frank Kazarian. Kazarian made a point of asking Kenny to make sure he tags in for this match, leading to the main event, Impact Champion Christian Cage and Kazarian versus AEW World Champ Kenny Maker and Brandon Cutler. Cage took out Nakazawa at ringside after he hit Kazarian with a laptop, but that allowed Omega to lay Kazarian out with a clothesline. Cutler did some bad... Bad dance moves and it cost him control of the match. Omega dropped off the apron to avoid a tag, so Cutler had to deal with Cage by himself. The cleaner pulled Christian to the ring post, but the referee was distracted, but he missed a V-trigger and hit Cutler by mistake. Cage hit Cutler with a kill switch for the victory. This was an okay match, but I just don't see the point in Cutler's in the long term. Yeah, he's cannon fodder now, but what else, you know? Um, and then after yeah. Went off the air. CM Punk came down for a fun interaction with Christian. Uh, yeah, what were your thoughts? Sorry, on Cutler and this main event. Yeah, I just uh, I think that um, Cutler really is just kind of acting like Cannon Fodder at the moment. I really do wonder. Again, he's one of those wrestlers that I just I don't know where things are going to go for him in terms of his, his storyline and um how long it's going to take until he's you know being featured properly and in wrestling proper wrestling matches. You know, he used to ha- come out like with uh, with a dragon mask on and stuff like that, and now he comes out with a face mask on. Um, I feel like that gimmick's a little bit getting outdated and a bit outworn with that sort of face mask thing and the spray. But I mean, we'll see because of, there's going to be a downfall when it comes to the elite at some point. So hopefully, this might mean like it will open up a few more doors for for Randick. Also, on uh, I think Rampage and Dynamite. Yeah. Twitter nearly exploded when we saw the initials AC on the shoes of CM Punk. And everybody think it's a sign yeah. for Adam Cole. Um, and he said in an interview... I mean, what did Well, he said, AC on my shoes and CF on the other foot. AC is always Chicago and CF is Chicago forever. Now, that might be true, but they are still teasing us. Cause we saw BW as well, didn't we? I think Kenny Mag. But I quite like yeah. that. Because it's Easter eggs that people want to pay attention to. Exactly. And I think it's just a bit of fun, you know, to actually see wrestlers actually putting the effort in to just chuck these little Easter eggs in and, and you know, wondering whether or not we will find them. 
So it is really interesting. And, and you know, if they want to troll us, I mean, let them because they're doing their jobs great. And the content that they're giving us is always, you know, forever surprising us. So if, if he wants to keep on trolling us with this always Chicago stuff, that's fine. And then when we see Adam Cole, maybe a few weeks later, we all know you were trolling us and we appreciate that. Right now, all right. So the last dynamite before now, and it's September first. It's the hundredth episode. Incredible when you think about a hundred episodes of dynamite already, and the show actually hyping up this. An FTR Cash Wheeler and Dax Harwood versus Proud and Powerful. Strong start by the baby faces, but Cash Wheeler and Dax Harwood ice like Santana, cutting him off for his partner. Hot tag to Ortiz, spark the comeback. And then back and forth action led to FTR delivering a big rig to Ortiz, only for Santana to break up the pinfall. Moments late, the inner circle teammates put Wheeler away with a combination cutter, code breaker, followed by reverse flapjack for the win. FTR eating tribute on their trunks, really, really nice. And JR talking nonsense. Uh, but what do you think? Of the- um, I enjoyed this match, and I, um, I, I think that both teams are, are, are great wrestlers. Um, and I, I'm just kind of happy with sort of the outcome of, of this match because um, Proud and Powerful for me are another tag team that I feel probably are underlooked and, and could have been in in the tag team tournament as well. Um, and so just kind of having them finally get a win over FTR is something that I have been waiting for. Um, they, they, they've lost a, a couple of times to them now. So I was really hoping they were going to get that that win. And so I was pleased with, the opening and thought that it was great for both sides. Yeah, I mean, this was good, but I think I've got such high hopes that when I see it, I go, oh, and I don't know if it's FTR, maybe a step slower or, or, or what it is, but I just, I'm waiting to click. And when it does click, you know, I think it's going to be incredible. Credit to Proud and Powerful, like, yeah. like we're living to make the kind of most of it. Because like we talk about that tag team mm-hmm. stack. It is, it is. And it's very easy to, to sort of. Um, struggle with who should actually be in the tag team tournament or not um, but it, it does just mean more for us as the audience we get we get that chance to see so many different teams um, it is so stacked and I wouldn't have it any other way because I absolutely love tag team wrestling and yeah. AEW has just got a strong plethora of teams right now it's yeah, like I said the best tag team wrestling is in AEW hands down yes you could get pissy about the referee but as soon as AEW come out and go look the referee's there just to count the fall then all this other thing about how long in the ring and count outs all that kind of all goes away you know but tag itself it is like I said there's nothing like a tag team match and speaking of one of my favourite tag teams 2.0 and Daniel Garcia cut promo backstage Matt Lee tells Darby Allen to not look past their son Garcia and Jeff Parker is excited to take Alan Punk away from everybody Daniel says he's going to hurt Darby and it's not a shot that he makes it to all out back from commercial CM Punk makes his entrance he asks if we're sick of him yet no Uh, and he says he can spend a few more months just Soaking in the love. He's a little nervous and even scared on Sunday. But he's going to make a promise that every single time he laces up his boots and he comes down at aisles, he's going to give us the best. But then Daniel Garcia in 2.0 jump Punk and beat him down. Darby Allen Stinger here to even the odds. They meet 2.0 in the arm. Rule with them. Punk back on his feet. Mounted punches on Jeff Parker. Coffin drop. Scorpion death drop. And the go to sleep. 
Punk then goes forehead to forehead with Darby. Poor crowd the ring and sees the floor to Sting. Sting gets on the mic and says, you always want to share a ring with Punk. He's got a lot of respect for him. The path never did cross, but that was then and this is now. And it's really good to watch someone go to sleep for his own eyes. The coffin drop and the Scorpion death drop also felt good. And it's just good to clear traffic because the same goal in mind. On Sunday when they clash, Sting will not be there. We'll let those two fight Mano Mano. Um, I really love the first GTS for seven years. And I don't mind saying I called it the previous week as well. What were your thoughts? <laughs> um, I, yeah, again, a, a really enjoyable way of ending these things. Um, I, I really, do you know what I got a, a vibe of? Um, Stone Cold Steve Austin versus The Rock. You know, when they both kept on, like Triple H was and his sort of motley crew were constantly getting involved and stuff like that. But towards the build-up of WrestleMania, um, where the Rock and Stone Cold were facing off, and they kept on saying, "I'm just looking out and making sure you're staying 100% before our match." And I got that same sort of vibe coming from CM Punk and Darby Allen. Like they both are itching to get in the ring and face against one another, but they both also are kind of like, "No, I'm not going to have it so that you're injured through other people." Before our match, you know, so it was just a very exciting way to end things. I really enjoyed it, and just hearing um thing even have that sort of respect to say, you know, I will come and just you know say hi um and leave him out there and head in the back. It just means that it's more going to be about just those two, and I think that that's going to be a wise decision because who wouldn't get distracted by seeing? I know I would. <laughs> Without a doubt, like I said, wrestling is so easy sometimes. You know, with the story, Darby Allen and CM Punk, a guy who used to be best in the world, seven years away, has come back and looks at a guy who's potentially could be the best in the world in the future, and they both want to be number one. There can only be one. It's simple, it's effective, about more times than most. We then get a video package of Kenny Omega versus Christian Cage. And then back commercial, MJF is interviewed by Tony Schiavone. Tony admits he's uncomfortable and MJF rattles off most of Chris Joe Knipp games for across the four-decade career. He's constantly evolved to stay on top of the mountain as the greatest of all time. Whether to care, to admit it or not, he's in the Mount Rushmore wrestling. But don't get it twisted. By the time MJF is done, he'll take his place. It's ironic that the same yearning for the spotlight that brought him to the dance the reason his music dies again MJF I'm not saying but it's one of the best promos obviously in wrestling at this moment yeah um, as much as you know he is a, a horrible horrible person um, I think that, that there's there's some level of you that's got to give the respect where it's due and you know his promos are, are very fire um, so yeah you kind of just can start to believe everything that he's saying at one point you know, uh, er, a lot earlier on, you could say that MGF was a, just all talk. But, you know, slowly but surely, this is what they've been building up to. It's like now everyone's actually thinking, is what he's saying actually going to happen because of, you know, how things have been going for him lately. So, we'll see. That's interesting. And Jack Evans versus Orange Cassidy next. Matt Hardy jumped Cassidy prior to his belt against Jack Evans. Put fresh Queens on the defensive early against the Hardy family office member. Evans controlled a contest, cutting off mid-match comeback and dominating throughout the commercial break. It was during the same break that Cassidy caught Evans with a real quick, small package for the win. Post-match, Evans argues with referee Bryce Rimsberg over finish until Matt Hardy runs down to beat Orange up. Best friends make the save. The rest of the HFO join the party and overwhelm the babe faces. And the Jurassic Express, even the odds, 
in turn. Uh, I don't mind the match ending during a break because it shows anything can happen. But do you think Orange Cassidy's losing momentum a little? Slightly. Slightly. And I think it's because of um, the type of feuds that he's getting into at the moment aren't drawing as much traction. And I'm not sure whether or not it's because maybe it's just not working with the, the feuds that he has got. I think the ones that he's had before have always um, impacted well. I, I think there's just a lot happening in AEW at the moment. And as much as I continuously love Orange Cassidy, the best friends and everything that they're doing, um, I just think that it, I feel like he's been kind of put on the back burner, so to speak. Yeah, I would agree there. Like I said, but again, the roster is getting more and more stacked. We talk about tag team division, you know, talk about singles yeah. competition as well. It's going to be difficult to kind of find this there. Will we get Eddie Kingston uh, with a video package telling Miro's neck is a weak point. He's going to go after it to take the TNT Championship for him. They're going to walk through hell together. Maybe if he survives that, he can go into his God's heaven. Miro says he only stays down for his wife in a hotel room and after victory, he's bringing agony with him as we go to a break. Um, this can be good stuff. Are you disappointed? Because I know like you talk about your huge Eddie fan. Should this have had more build to it? Because I think they both men were delivered as well. Yeah, I, I do agree. I feel like this feud should have started a, a different way. Um, however, I think that they're doing the best with what they've got in, in such short amount of time um, to ha- to be promoting this feud. I think it should have started a bit earlier on. Um, that being said, I'm, I'm hoping that is going to be one of like the st- most standout matches um, at All Out. <laughs> well, back for commercial, we get a John Moxley promo where he says he's a little in the thinkment that an old man, Satsuri Kojima, would think he could challenge him, but he's going to go into Cincinnati with his scalp. And then Jim Ross is in the ring to interview Chris Jericho, calls him a future Hall of Famer. That's the other company, Jim. We haven't got a Hall of Fame in AEW. Uh, the 50-year-old put the history of AEW, uh, alluded Don on 100 episodes, said he could not continue his career knowing he couldn't beat MJF. Jericho said his career isn't over. He doesn't want it to be an MJF. Have to be his... If he ever have been come Sunday, even then, he added, it won't be enough because MJF isn't a man enough to take him out. And like we talk about, Jericho sure can cut a promo, you know. But it's enough talking. This, I think it needs... To... It does. And I think this is going to be sort of the ultimate note as to, you know, how things are going to end between the two of them. Um I'm not. I'm still not sure how I feel about, uh, uh, you know, what the outcome could be, because I, I don't think that I'm can say that I'm ready to see Jericho in a permanent position on the commentator's desk rather than in the ring. Um, however, I also I'm also worried because I feel like you're just going to drop the ball a little bit if MJF doesn't win this. So I don't know where it, where things are going with this. This one. I'm less excited for it and I'm more anxious about it because yeah, I just I think, don't know where things are going to go for, for, yeah. for either match. They've bat themselves in the corner with this one, haven't they? And that's the, that's the problem. We'll see yeah. where it can go. Uh, we get Darby Allen getting a video package. He admits that when he was 15, CM Punk was his favourite. But seven years ago, he left. And that's when Darby Allen became a wrestler. He says Punk's already looking over him because he might... I've seen what he can do in the ring, but he can't feel it. And now Alan has the impossible beat CM Punk in Chicago or die trying. And then Powerhouse Will Hobbs makes his entrance accompanied by Hook, 
but Brian Cage, uh, Brian Cage even blindsides him, beats him down for the match begins. So Cage versus Hobbs, and we see Hobbs overcome an early pre-match attack. Obviously, he fought back. Cage fought back in the match, sent his opponent to the mat with an exploded suplex, and then Taz's son Hook provided a distraction, and Hobbs sent him face first into the FTW title held by Ricky Starr. We'll finish him off with Town Business. Um, Brian Cage, it's just not working. Hobbs really green, but showing potential. What did you? Yeah, um, agree with you right there. I think that Paul Hobbs has just got this real uh, potential to kind of just become just as a, a beast mode as as Miro. Um, I I quite enjoyed it. I felt like the match could have gone a bit longer, and I kind of would like to actually just see them both just let loose with without having any inter. inter- interactions or distractions coming from the rest of Team Taz. I quite wouldn't mind if these two were just put into a steel cage and then you just let them go at it. You know, um, there's something about Will Hobbs I'm really liking as, as a wrestler. Um, and I just, every time I do hear his, his music hit, I'm excited to see what he's going to bring to the ring. And I feel like Brian Cage has like this um, untapped sort of uh, raw uh, berserker type um, persona that is just going to really snap soon. Um, he's just really going to have enough with Team Taz and just I think at one point he is just going to wipe the floor with them um, but I think it's, that there's a lot of build up to, to that happening. Yeah. Um, whether or not this works in Cage's favour um, in terms of you know how he's coming across to the audience I'm not really sure because right now I feel like there's more uh, from my opinion there's more attraction coming towards Team Taz and Will Hobbs rather than, like, you know, me seeing it as an outcome where Brian Cage is going to come out on top. Yeah. Um, nice. But I, I, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. Yeah, like I said, for me at the moment, it feels like, the, the you know, we go back to, like, the, the nation of domination, like a vehicle for Ricky Starks, and it doesn't really matter mm. about because, you know, we're not talking yeah. about him, we're talking about the kind of this new yeah. star. Uh, but anyway, Malachi Black cuts a friendly Johnson, he claims he left the ring not to avoid John. He dictates when they fight. He's given him seven days for his merciful to Cody, Arn, and Brock. But, and at the end of it, he'll put coin in his eyes and pay the boat's toll. This shit. And then, unfortunately, that not. Was. It was strong, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what wasn't was QT Marshall in the factory calling Paul White out to the ring. The giant dominated the hills for being joined by Billy, Austin and Colton Gunn. And then in a surprise move, Billy blasted White with a steel chair to the hip uh, and then one to the face. Marshall re-entered the ring and drops him with a cutter to try and drum up some heat for the match on Sunday. So Hill Guns, their win-loss record is great, but yeah. who does care about this? I mean, I mean, it, this came out of nowhere for me. So I really don't understand how what... Um, the reasoning behind Billy's uh, and and his son's uh, heel change has been. I'm not really sure if this is actually just a bit too much in this storyline. We've already got a sort of Paul White against one faction as it is, and so now adding three more uh, seems a bit excessive. Um, I can't say that I was quite excited by this. I actually felt sorry for Paul White because he looked genuinely devastated when Billy hit him with the chair. Um, and I can't say that I'm excited about this because, you know, how realistically, how long do we think that, you know, Big Show can keep doing this in the ring? So uh, this to me is already setting up another feud that's going to come after QT. So it's kind of like it feels like 
it was the wrong time to be heel turning Billy if they were going to do something with him with with uh, Paul White. I think they should have waited until after all that after he's dealt with QT Marshall's crew. You, you, we just uh, literally it's just come to me now, but we talk about Malachi Black needing someone to step up. What about Paul White? And then at least that match then is is you know you could sell that and a black mask to Paul White knocking him out cold. It will be a, a fantastic visual as well, you know. It could be, yeah, definitely. Um, I think that maybe that should have been sort of his his saving grace. Um, you know, with, for Paul White to have come out and, and make the save to one of the uh, Nightmare Factory pawns that, you know, Malachi Black has. Like, you know, it would have probably been nice for him to have come out for the save mm-hmm. after uh, Brock and Arna Anderson were sort of decimated by him. That would have been a good save. You know, but uh, QT facials are good, but the only reason he's in that position is because, obviously, of Cody Rhodes. But then Britt Baker... Uh, Dr. Britt Baker, sorry, DMD's interview by Tony Schiavone. She talks about how Rebel can win the Battle Royals. The title ain't going anywhere. And as far as Chris Statlander goes, a free agent just signed a major multi-year contract. And that free agent is her. Tony Khan let her book any match she wanted as part of the deal. So Chris has a handicap match against Jamie Hayter and Reba on Friday. Ha! <laughs> free agent, wink. And then Pinelli before yeah. versus Tay Conte. Conte attacked early, falls down to low, wrestled the upper hand away, heading to break. The action broke down, and Conte forwarded uh, the bunny's distraction and pinned forward with a roll-up. And after the match, the hills beat her down until Dark Orders and a Jay made a return and chased them off. I mean, these two women are still developing, calling spots and real roughness, but hope Tay can only get better. I think even Marie's a better worker than Penelope Ford. I don't... <laughs> uh, no, I actually think that Penelope Ford has been getting better in the ring. There was um, a couple of matches where I felt like that she's been sort of expanding sort of her, her moves. And I actually think that there's no woman that could be as bad as Eva Marie. Eva Marie <laughs> does not even try in that ring. She does not even try. I cannot even... You can't, you can't tell me otherwise. Okay, even Maria is probably the worst person to actually describe as a female wrestler because that actually means that she wrestles. She doesn't. She actually doesn't. So, I mean, I I don't mind Penelope Ford. I think that obviously she she is still developing um, within the ring. So I don't think she's. It's not like I think she's all that or she's got a lot going for it. But I think that she tries a lot harder than the likes of Eva Marie. <laughs> I I will agree to disagree, but with Ford, it's just, I don't know. And there's a lot of developing in the women's division that needs to be done. And it just more matches, more spotlight, you know, and the confidence will come. We've seen it work and swear. And then we see Fonda Rosa is interviewed backstage. See, another one that could have just been in the match, but instead in. And she can answer Vicky Guerrero, Nala Rose and Jay Cargill roll up. Rosa asks, she's really trying to intimidate her and she's going to be put, she's going to go down swinging. Rose and Cargill put boots to her and then square up until Sterling gets between them and says, no sense doing this now because they make a lot of money on Sunday. And the main event, Jurassic Jungle Boy, Jack Perry, Luchasaurus and the Lucha Brothers versus the Elite, Doc Gallows, Carl Anderson, Matt and Nick Jackson. The match breaks down early with Elite beating everybody down. 
go to a break just as the baby face are rallying. We get a ferocious comeback and a hot tag to Phoenix. Sparks a comeback, obviously, like we talked about. And after Phoenix's flurry, Luchasaurus took the fight to the opposition, including a stand and moonsault. Brandon Cutler got involved and he cost the baby faces a win. Uh, a late comeback attempt by Phoenix fell as the Bucks put him down with a Meltzer driver for the win. And AEW World Champ Kelly Maker made his way to the ring, stomping down the Lucha Brothers, um, instru- instructing the Good Brothers to drive Luchasaurus through a table. Christian Cage hit the ring to make the save, but quickly found himself in the end of a beatdown. And Maker ordered the Steel Cage to be lowered, and the Elite proceeded to beat down their all-out opponents. Bay Freeman attempted to make the save, but the Hills held him off to close the show. So, NWO for life. I mean, the action itself was too <laughs> sweet. But the shenanigans... I mean, talk about cage mistreated in a cage. Uh, first of all, what do you think yeah. of that? And then what happened afterwards? I mean, it, overall, it was just kind of... Just all pelts of excitement. Um, everything that happened after was just utter chaos. I mean, just... just I, I, I didn't even... Um, did you recognise Kenny Omega? <laughs> it's his blue hair. Yeah, it was right, right. Like... But I didn't... I did not recognize for ages when I saw him like sort of making his way into the ring. I was going, "Who is that? <laughs> no, who is that? Seriously, I did not recognize it being him." So, I mean, that was definitely a shock. But it was just utter chaos with like the cage having, you know, uh, Brandon Cutler just spraying people off of the uh, steel cage that were trying to get in. Gosh, my heart was racing when I saw how high Marco Stump was and he was getting sprayed yeah. all in the face, I was like, someone needs to catch this boy. This child is about to fall off. I was, <laughs> I was terrified for him. But it, at, at the end of the day, I feel like it just did its job. It just left me wanting more, left me wanting to see the, all the good guys finally get like run over on the bad guys. And that is, gonna, I'm, I'm hoping, going to be you know a lot of, of the results that come out of All Out, you know? So... In terms of build-up towards the pay-per-view, I felt like this uh, worked really well. I, I hope, but the, the thing with the NWI and a bit like the Elite is that they probably will come out on top on the pay-per-view as well. So Cage getting a beating like that with uh, the Lucha Bros as well just takes away because the face well, is I never on top. I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know because, yeah, when it comes to Cage, yeah, he, he already got his win with Impact, so I'm, I'm not sure he's going to get another win um, over Kenny. However, when it comes to the Lucha Brothers, I'm, I, I really do have a, a very strong feeling that they could potentially uh, come out on top at All Out. So, well, it, well it, from that point of view, that's how I'm looking at it. Well, like I said, we'll do predictions and run through the card after Rampage in a minute. Uh, but that episode of Dynamite did average uh, over a million viewers as well so again it is doing quite well uh, for this moment in time with tv and we move september 3rd rampage and the results of course excalibur taz mark henry chris jericho run down the card we see malachi black defeating lee johnson via pinfall johnson gave a hell of a fight but took a kick to the face then was offered a steel chair by black he showed lee his back and baited him into picking up the chair then put him down with the black mass kick we see Dustin Rose running to prevent Black from inflicting more punishment onto uh, Johnson. But as for with this match, I think Black gave Lee a little bit too much, maybe, in this one. But the Black Mass hit perfectly. Is there another finisher that just looks as nice? I don't know. I don't think there is. And I think it's the way that he actually delivers it. It just was such perfection. You can see 
you know, his real martial arts background as a result of, of that finishing move. And it's just, it's, it just looks devastating. It really does. We see Mark Kevin interviewing Dustin backstage. He says Malika Black has relied on surprise for his AW run, but Wednesday on Dynamite, Black will see him coming. And then TNT champion Miro's out. He talks about Eddie Kingston needing redemption for taking a charity contract. Kingston has become a bag boy for John Moxley. That brings Eddie out to say he doesn't believe in Miro's <laughs> God. If he existed, he wouldn't have shown Kingston that Miro's weakness is his neck and all his moves target his neck. Miro tells Eddie he's getting him tonight. Kingston tells him to redeem these nuts and rushes to the ring. But the champ rolls out. He lures him in and belts him with a belt. Back in the ring, he tries to stomp Eddie onto the belt, but Kingston evades and hits a spinning back fist. DDT is a champ, and Kingston... We could have had a month, and instead we've only had like a week and a half, you know? I know. These two, like, you know, talking trash to each other um, is, is just highly entertaining. Um, and it's, it's just one of those ones that I'm not ready for, for it to be over. The build-up could have been just so much more. And I just wanted more coming from them. You know, I love both these wrestlers and I think that they've got such incredible talent. It has left me very excited to see them finally get at it in the ring at All Out. Without a doubt. Chris Statlander defeated Rebel and Jamie Hayter when she made Rebel tap. It's a real powerhouse showcase for Dr. Britt Baker's All Out Challenger. At one point, she had both opponents up for a slam. The Hills formerly alien, but Red Velvet was out for and a bit of a negative reaction. I'm trying to think who's more liked. Red Velvet in AEW, MSK in NXT at the moment. Uh, See, I believe in that too. (laughs) I I find it very unfortunate for, for Red Velvet because I think it purely has stemmed from, you know, her being the opponent for Britt Baker. Yeah. Um, and it's just like, it's just never let up for her. I really feel for her. One day, maybe, you know, the crowd will get over her. But I don't, <laughs> as far as uh, uh, Britt Baker is champion, um, I don't think that she should, uh, you know, try and go for the belt again because no. she's just going to get forever hated on. Exactly. Just switch heel. It's easier than switch face again in like a few months' time. Everybody's yeah. forgotten about it. And we get during a rundown of All Out Car, we see John Moxley getting Kojima's face at a press conference. Mark Henry interviews the main eventers, 2.0. He's tired of everyone overlooking their son in the excitement for Derby anniversary and Punk on Sunday. Danny said he's going to make sure Allen doesn't make it to All Out. Derby said he's going to go through Garcia and right up the ramp to stare Punk at the comedy table. Um, cult of personality time. Punk dives in the crowd and turns around. And a guy is offering him a beer. Now, even a guy has had too much to drink or has never, ever heard of CM Punk. That was the craziest thing I've ever seen. (laughs) I mean, like, you know, uh, we got to remember, like, this, that, that kind of thing only worked with two people, and that is Stone Cold and Hangman Page. Why he thought to offer him a beer like he was his mate, like, Especially when with 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 what is going on in the world, why would you offer him your beer? It was just, very baffling. It very was baffling. hilarious. If that guy, if if none of his mates have a go at that guy from now to the end of time, they're not doing a job right. Give me the guy's email address. I'll I'll send him back. You know, <laughs> just like we'll, we'll give him we'll give him an email and let him know why that was all kinds of problems. It's it's like giving Zach Gowan a pair of trainers. Do you know what I mean? Like it, it's it's something that I just I'm, I, again. Yeah. 
We're saying it. I mean, like I said, Paralympics have been on. Uh, have been fantastic for everything as well. You know, that's not a, a dig at any. But just trying to think, you, you couldn't, you know, like any other wrestler maybe. But in the main event, mm. Darby Allen defeated Daniel Garcia with a roll-up after hitting red code. During the match, he hit a Pepsi twist and knocked eyes with Punk, who said, not bad, kid. After the match, 2.0 John Garcia to put the boots to Allen. Punk tries to leave the clean up to Sting, but eventually heads down to the ring as the crowd goes wild. He backs Matt Lee and Jeff Parker up right into a suicide dive from Derby, and the all-out foes go head-to-head as Rampage ends. So, we are, like we said, as we've now, just a few hours away from all out. How do you think AEW with Dynamite and Rampage, we've just gone through it, how do you think they've built the pay-per-view now? What's your kind of level for excitement after Dynamite and Rampage? I mean, I, I definitely see my level of excitement there. I've been the hugest fan of AEW since they uh, very beginning, since they very first aired. Um, and this really feels like a big, important pay-per-view, you know? Um, so my excitement level is very, very up there um i was very disappointed to hear that we're not getting park versus um andrade at all out but i do see that as a blessing in disguise in terms of you know them having a pretty stacked card for all out and as you said previously um how long it's going to be so i don't think i i don't think that is a bad thing that we've had one match taken off um although i am disappointed as to which match it was well Speaking about that, and uh, like I said, we're going to run through the card now. Yeah, Pac and Andrade is not there. Apparently, it's Pac who can't make the match, and it's very similar issues to Sasha Banks. Now, I'm not really sure what's going on, but Sasha Banks is known as an... Well, apparently, Sasha Banks is an anti-vaxxer. So if Pac is the same, and then they're not being vaccinated, then again, if they do get... They're open for COVID. And like we talked about, it is here right. more than ever before. Those are just the rumours. And like I said, you can take that with a pinch of salt, but there's a mm-hmm. pack not there. They have announced Andrade versus Pack for Rampage on Friday. So that should be a hell of a match. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm actually pleased that we are still getting it. It's just going to be at a different on time, you know? Yeah. I think what's important here is the running order. And Tony Khan said he's got the running order sorted out. So we're going to just run through the matches. And I want predictions. We're going to do predictions, both of us now. And, of course, we'll challenge um, the ultimate one. It could be a triple threat uh, when I do the review of him next weekend. So we'll start off. And the the buy-in match has been added. It's Orange Cassidy, Chuck Taylor, Willie Uta and Jurassic Express versus Matt Hardy, Private Party and TH2. Who are you going to go for? Uh, I'm going to go for the Jurassic Express team. I think that this is going to be one of those um, real feel-good uh, type of matches that is just kind of kind of uh, warm the audience up till until we get to the main pay-per-view. This is just going to be something that's a little bit of fun, so I'm not taking it too seriously. No, I agree. Like I said, Jurassic Express and Orange Cassidy, they cannot lose in this opener. So that's what I'm going to go for in that one. We've got 21 women casino battle royale. Here comes Shida, Nida Rose, Thunder Rosa, Jay Cargill, The Bunny, Ty Conte, Penelope Ford, <gasps> Red Velvet, Big Swell, Emi Seclura, Julia Hart, Diamante, Kira Hogan, Abdomen, Layla Hirsch, Keelan King, Rio, Rebel, Jamie Hayter, Anna J. Plus one. Who do you think your plus one is, and uh, who do you think is going to win this one? Okay, so I'm going to go with two answers, right? And <laughs> hear me out. I'm going to go with 
the fact that I think that this plus one is going to be Ruby Soho. And if so, if it is her, then she is my pick to win. Right. However, if it isn't her, then I'm actually going to go with the likes of, uh, that's difficult, but I'm, I'm going to go with like, I'm going to go with Ty Conti. I, I, I feel I'm like just... underrated. It, it was, it's between her and Layla Hirsch. I feel like both of those two have like a, a pretty good um, chance at, at being the winner here if Ruby Soho isn't the plus one. Well, I think Ruby Soho will be the, the joker in the pack, but I think she'll kind of uh, get her and Jay Cargill might get into it and leading to Thunder Rosa winning the match. Because if we don't have Thunder Rosa versus Britt Baker at a pay-per-view for the AEW Women's Championship by the end of the year, I'll quit. I'll quit wrestling. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. I mean, we all we all are waiting now that Britt has got that belt on her uh, around her waist. We are all waiting to have Thunder Rosa versus Britt Baker again because you know that that unsanctioned main event that they had was just incredible. So you, you know what, you might have this uh this one run, run this well, match, this round. Hey, what can I say? No, up next, <laughs> Paul White versus QT Marshall. I'll take this one. Quite simple. Paul White wins two minutes, maybe that. Couple of chokes lands for the rest of the factory. Job done. Um, hopefully, nothing too offensive. What are you see? I'm going to disagree with you on on that. No, I'm going to actually go with QT winning, and the only reason why I think that is because of this heel turn with the gun club. I think that there's going to be major involvement. I think that this is going to be sort of like a major beatdown session on Paul White. And I think that ultimately the outcome is going to be QT stealing that win. Wow. So this, is why, this is why, you know, predictions are so much fun. Up next then, John Moxley, Satsui, Kojima. Who are you favouring? What do you think? I mean, uh, because if I've not seen Kojima wrestle that much, I'm going to go with John Moxley as the winner here. However, I I will be really surprised and, and pleasantly surprised if, if he ends up picking up the, the win on it. Another big match now. And this will say there's a few big matches on this show. And it's all about where the mm. placement on the card is. Up next, Chris Jericho versus MJF. If Jericho loses, he will never wrestle in AEW again. Uh, I'll take this one because obviously we try and take it in turn. Let me talk about this. This has mm. not filled me with excitement, this match, because we've seen it so many times. But I'm, I'm going to say... If Jericho loses, he'll never wrestle in AEW again. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, so I am going to say Chris Jericho for this one. Fuck it. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you on that one. I, I, as, as much as I feel like this whole thing has been to build up MJF as, as the ultimate heel, uh, I also don't want want to believe or don't actually believe myself um, that this is it for Jericho. So I'm going to go with Jericho. Uh, up next, the AEW TNT title on the line, Miro, Eddie Kingston. I know how much of a fan of Eddie Kingston you are. Uh, this should be out of, like, a piss, Jay, I would say. <laughs> what were your thoughts and where do you think it's going to go? Um, again, one of my most anticipated matches is this and um, another, which we'll get to, I'm sure. Um, but I, I cannot wait to see them in the ring. My level of excitement for this is probably at a nine um, with how things have been left. Um, and I am going to go with Miro winning this um, and retaining, um, but I think it's going to be an absolute brawl. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say Miro, but barely. 
You're like, this is going to be... Yeah. Miro's going to be... He's going to know he's going to be in the fight. <laughs> yeah, he's going to be pushed to his limit. I think Eddie Kingston is really going to push him to that limit, you know? Um, he, as I said before, the best way to describe him is unhinged. So I feel like Miro is definitely going to have like that rude awakening of being like, shit, I need to work for this, you know? Um, but I think ultimately, yeah, he'll come out on top. Yeah, like I said, Miro wins that one. Up next, AEW Women's Championship, Britt Baker, Dr. D versus Chris Statlander. Now, Statlander's been great, but due to the kind of outside interference and Baker just being on the roll of her life, I think this is quite an easy one. I think Baker retains. But this could possibly uh, not steal the show, because I think, you know, we look at it, but this could be a lot better than people are expecting. Yeah, agreed. Um, I agree with you that I think that Baker is still going to come out of this on top. She's on a roll. Like you'd be quite crazy probably to take the belt off of her right now when she's this much of a, a heated persona. Um, however, Chris Statlander is a very good wrestler, and I really enjoy watching her strength in the ring. Um, I think that this will definitely test Britt Brit Baker, and I think that this is going to be a perfect opportunity for Britt colleagues to get themselves involved continuously. Um, this is going to test Brit um, to her limit, but I think it's going to be an overall good match that she does come out on top of. Yeah, I think without a doubt. Uh, up next, the AEW World Tag Team Titles, the Steel Cage match, the Young Bucks versus Lucha Brothers. And let's not forget it all out two years ago, the ladder match, the destroyer off the top of the ladder, one of the craziest things I've ever seen in professional wrestling. They're going to try and up that in a yeah. cage match. Um, who, who do you think? Because this is one of them that... Um, kind of 50-50 with. I see that I think the Young Bucks need to lose the title. I don't know if the Lucha Brothers are the right team, especially what we've seen with Jurassic Express. So I'm going to go with the Lucha Brothers. I think that they have a high chance of winning this. Um, and I think that this will be like the beginning of the downfall of the Elite. That's kind of how I'm taking things at this point. Um, when it comes to all of the members of the Elite, I feel like it's going to start with the Young Bucks uh, losing the title. So I'm going to go with Lucha Brothers. I think that's a great shout, but I just think, I don't know. I've, I've been Lucha Bros, but I'm going to back the Young Bucks. I just, I don't know why. I just think they're going to come through and the Elite is still going to be there and it's all going to come crashing down at full, full gear. One thing I want to say, and my prediction for this match, I hope Ray Phoenix does an elect skipper uh, from the top of the cage where he runs across it and hits like a, either a hurricane yeah. runner or something like that. I think that will be one of the most amazing cool. visuals ever. It probably would. And knowing Ray Phoenix, I'm sure he's going to surprise us with something. So something like that would be amazing. That would be incredible. Right, two matches left. Up next, the aid title. AEW world title on the line. Kenny Omega, the champ, versus Christian Cage. Uh, this should be a great match, but is this just so predictable? I feel like it is, and I feel like it's because we've seen we've seen the, uh, this title match happen already, um, in which he's or he's kind of already won a title. So it kind of the the build up isn't as there as it probably would have been if this was you know um, the first time they were facing off against one another. So I'm just unsure as to how uh, how the audience will re- react during this match. Um, but I'm going to go with Kenny Omega on this one. Yeah, I think I've got to go Kenny Omega, uh, just because, like I said, one-on-one then, he can lead to uh, 
Another match between the two once Christian maybe drops the Impact World title and Omega can get his another win or whatever they want to do there. And then finally, the real main event of All Out after seven years away, CM Punk makes his pay-per-view return against Darby Allen. This should be incredible. This should be main event. Um, I, there's a lot of talk of Punk putting Allen maybe over. I don't think that's right. I think a, a GTS, one, two, three, and then the kind of show respect at the end with both hands raised, that reaction there will be incredible. Um, that's what I think was going to happen. What do you think is going to happen in the match? And um, yeah, I'll wait for the other question. What do you think is going to happen in the match? Um, yeah, I think that this is going to be one that they both kind of are working their butts off towards each other. Um, I don't that think that this is going to be any form of squash match or anything. I think that CM Punk is really going to be tested in this match. And I'm really highly anticipated to see kind of how things uh, turn out between for, for both men. I think without a doubt, it's, it's, yeah, CM Punk's going to win. Right, final question then. Do you think there's any going to be, um, we've talked about Ruby Soho, do you think there's going to be any more surprises at All Out? There's been a lot of rumours about Daniel Bryan. Do you think we may see him? And where would you put him if he was going to show up? Oh, that's, that's a difficult one because I do actually see him uh, turning up at All Out. Um and I know this might be a bit of an unpopular opinion, but I can see him sort of maybe making a save during the Christian match. Um, so I'm going to place him maybe, you know, revealing his, his entrance maybe during the, or just after uh, Kenny Omega and and Christian's match. Yeah, I think, don't get me wrong, Daniel Bryan, if he shows up after seeing Punk and have a face-off, that's great. But again, and I want AEW's trying work away from a little bit. It's like the Christian Matt Hardy feud where they go, they've got 23 years of history. Yeah, all within a kind of mm-hmm. another company. Like, if they do Punk and Brian, mm-hmm. then they'll probably mention like Ring of Honor, but they'll people will be like, well, this is what they did in WWE. If Brian shows up with Kenny Omega and says, oh, mm-hmm. you're meant to be the best, here, you know, here I go, that's going to be great. But I just worry about Adam Pay. As long as he's in that, full gear yeah. main event the AEW world title it's fine but I don't know if they'll Dude, do the, Brian versus Omega on the Dynamite no I'm thinking more the case of it being like uh, Daniel Bryan coming out for the save but then maybe Hangman being the one to come out for the save for Daniel Bryan that's kind of, kind of how, yeah. how I'm seeing it as but I mean yeah I think I see him more turning up if he was to turn up in the Kenny Omega match. And again, I'm just going to point out that Kenny Omega was wearing like sort of like that dragon t-shirt. And that was like a reference towards Daniel Bryan, or a lot of people were saying that that was a, de- a, um, a reference to his sort of like American dragon type character he had. Um, so it, it would just be really exciting to kind of see him come out to make the save uh, for Christian. If, if that ends up being the case that he needs the save, you know? Yeah, without a doubt. And like we said, we've talked about it now for the last couple of hours. We've Dynamite and Rampage. All that is left to do is sit down and enjoy this pay-per-view and hope it delivers, you know, uh, which should be incredible. And like I said, WNR will have a fit next weekend with the Albert One. And, of course, we'll get Jaxie's thoughts next time we speak to her as well. But don't forget... 
Don't forget, we're across all social media. Twitter, at the Dubbin' Podcast. I'm at the Dubbin' JR. Do you want to just plug yourself, Jackson? Yep, I'm, at, I'm across uh, Instagram and Twitter, so come find me and come follow. I'll follow back. I'm at Jackson Skyler. The Dubbin' are also on Facebook and Instagram, across all Google platform podcasts, at gmail.com. With all the clips and podcasts, got the same time on YouTube, and they do SoundCloud on your phone. Uh, also, Spotify and iTunes, where you can download, subscribe, rate, and review there. So that is it. Don't forget the charity fundraiser is still up on Facebook. If you want to see me clean-shaven and... Well, if you want to see me look like Dr. Evil, then put your money on Facebook. Let's get this job done. Uh, we can get that sorted out. And, Jaxley, the next time you'll be with us will be the end of the month, where, unfortunately, it is WWE and it's Extreme Rules. Yeah. Let's we'll <laughs> do it. Yeah. Yeah. And the, <laughs> next, the next, like I said, the next WNR podcast will be all out with the ultimate one. But until then, I have been James Rose and I was joined by the fantastic Jaxie Scarlett. Again, thank you very much for joining me and making this such thank an excitable couple of hours. Always fun. Always, yes, that was what I was saying, always good. Uh, so, yeah, that is it, everybody. Thanks for listening, everybody, and bye. <laughs>